0: Hello and welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Robert Frederick. In this show, new insights into solar winds and how they can be so powerful as to affect us here on Earth. We'll hear about hot plasma experiments, including new observations that were predicted by theory and satellite measurements, all to try to make sense of our solar system's weather. On March 13, 1989, just after 2.44 a.m., the power grid in Quebec, Canada, started to fail. Within a minute, 6 million people were in the dark and remained so for the next 12 hours, having cold breakfasts and missing work or school. Across the United States, more than 200 power grids had problems as well. People awake in Florida and Cuba reported seeing strange, wispy, glowing curtains in the sky. Far above the Earth, a few satellites even tumbled out of control. Some physicists saw it coming. The sun is already you know, it's constantly giving off ions that can affect things in space. It's called the solar wind. It's a plasma, or gas, that is so hot that some of the electrons are freed from their atoms, making atoms into ions and allowing current, electricity, to flow. Moving current generates a magnetic field, so... The Earth's magnetic field offers some protection. So when those ions do enter our atmosphere... What you see instead is that the, the
1: magnetic field kind of directs it into certain locations. And so this is the, the, the phenomenon of the, the northern or southern lights. Now, if you have even larger plumes of plasma coming by...
0: That's what happened on March 13th, 1989. Physicist David Schaffner was five years old at the time.
1: Hi, my name is David Schaffner, and I study plasma turbulence in the laboratory.
0: Three days before the blackout in Quebec, on March 10th, physicists and astronomers had witnessed an enormous explosion on the sun, sending a billion-ton cloud of hot gas towards the Earth at around a million miles an hour. And since the sun is around 93 million miles away... There were three days or so to wait before anyone knew what it would do when it hit our planet.
1: Now, if you have even larger plumes of plasma coming by, you can kind of overwhelm the strength of the magnetic field of the Earth and actually start penetrating into the planet. And that's where you start getting
0: issues with lots of electromagnetic radiation that can disrupt communications, it can disrupt electronics. Which is how Quebec lost power, thanks to the biggest cloud of plasma ever recorded to strike the Earth. Not that we've been recording such events for very long, but the sun is belching out big clouds of plasma all the time, and the solar wind is always blowing, prompting physicists to ask What is the nature of the solar wind? David Schaffner, Seth Dorfman,
2: Hi, my name is Seth Dorfman,
0: and Masaaki Yamada,
2: Yamada speaking,
0: all have new things to say about the nature of the solar wind through their experiments on the fundamental physics of plasma. We'll hear from each one, continuing with David Schaffner. I'm a research physicist at Swarthmore College. Schaffner studies plasma turbulence, the unsteady flow of plasma. We have a way of looking
1: at some type of turbulence, and and we could look at our turbulence and use what we learn to
0: compare to what is seen in the solar wind. The turbulence Schaffner studies, he makes himself, with a machine called the Swarthmore Spheromech experiment.
1: So the way our experiment works is we, with what's called, what we call a plasma gun, or it's called a plasma gun in, in the field, create this initial spheromac.
0: A spheromac is a blob of plasma that looks a bit like a plumped-up donut, including the hole.
1: Now, in, in the creation process, just like when you blow a bubble, you, you probably have more push than you need to break off the spheromac or the bubble. So you kind of create it, it snaps off, but you've still, you're still kind of pushing. And so there's enough push that the spheromac starts to move through that column. It's about a meter wide, a meter long, meter high. Now, the spheromac, as it starts moving down the chamber, starts to tilt over because it's unstable, energetically unstable. Now, we have a, a metallic shell that essentially keeps the magnetic field from escaping. And because the magnetic field can't escape, it has to contort itself in such a way that, as it's losing energy, it's maintaining its natural twist. And so, what happens as the plasma is moving down the chamber it goes from this, uh, another donut analogy, if you think of a twisted donut, you know, the long twisted donut, it basically goes from a regular donut into that twisted donut. And so as our plasma comes down the machine, it's basically evolving into that. And during that evolution process is where we see the turbulence. It's where we see the fluctuations in magnetic field. And so that's one way we try to connect it to the solar wind because we've kind of got this evolving, moving, turbulent plasma moving past down this wind tunnel.
0: And with various probes inside, and even a high-speed camera outside, Schaffner says they can see and recreate the turbulence of the plasma on the computer, and so get a better understanding of the turbulent nature of the solar wind. The solar wind and sun are hard to model, in part, because we don't know all the physics yet. Imagine trying to predict wind speed on Earth, with only a limited understanding of how air behaves. The fundamental physics of how plasma behaves is what Seth Dorfman is studying.
2: I'm a postdoctoral researcher at UCLA.
0: And one of the most curious problems about the sun is how the solar wind gets so hot.
2: So the sun is um, a giant ball of plasma.
0: As the plasma leaves the sun, it gets hotter. This is known as the
2: coronal heating problem. Where the solar corona is millions of degrees
0: Kelvin. The outer atmosphere of the sun.
2: Which is much hotter than the photosphere.
0: Hotter than the surface of the sun.
2: And it's thought that it should be the reverse.
0: Many physicists think that fundamental magnetic waves in the plasma, called Alfvén waves, after a Swedish plasma physicist who first described them, may somehow be heating the corona. Powerful alphin waves have been observed in the sun's corona.
2: So one idea is that a um, large amplitude Alfin wave propagates up from the photosphere, dumps its energy into the corona.
0: Which could help heat up the corona. In addition to heating up the corona directly, the Alfin wave could decay. Into
2: a um, backward propagating alphin wave and a forward propagating sound wave
0: which also could help heat the corona. Now, alphan waves are magnetic waves.
2: So the the simplest explanation would be, so if you have a plasma with a magnetic field, and you imagine plucking the magnetic field like a string and seeing the disturbance propagate by a tension force, that would be um, an alphan wave. And in the lab, what we do is we launch two waves
0: in opposite directions. These are alphan waves generated in a machine at UCLA called the Large Plasma Device. Dorfman says they can tune the magnetic alphan waves that they generate just so that their interaction produces a sound wave.
2: So the lab experiment, the real role that can play is to um, test the theory and to say, okay, this is how these processes work. So now, if we go back to our space observations, these are some things to look for. But just to be clear, the experiment did not produce a decay.
0: But then, in a second experiment, there does appear to be a decay.
2: In the second experiment, we launch only one alpha wave. And what we see is two other forward-propagating alpha waves produced. So we presume that this is some kind of decay process, but we're still in the process of trying to figure out what theory could explain that. In terms of the application, in the solar wind, there's a whole spectrum of alphan waves observed, which is thought to be produced by different alpha and alpha wave interactions. And once we get a better handle on this process we've seen in the experiment, we might be able to say, OK, maybe this process could play a role in that spectrum seen in the solar wind.
0: It can take a while to figure out a theory to describe a process in plasma if it's going to be at all helpful in understanding solar wind. For one, solar plasma is really hot. It's coming off the sun at a million miles an hour, So once you know how to generate plasma safely, you then have to figure out how to measure it. Once you've got that figured out, then, just like other sciences, all those measurements will generate lots of little questions that have to be answered, first, before there's enough data, enough understanding, of what's really going on. Dorfman is working to understand how alphan waves affect plasma, Schaffner, how to describe turbulent plasma, and Masaaki Yamada studies how big explosions can happen on the sun, the solar flares and coronal mass ejections that can affect electronics and communication systems here on Earth.
3: We are carrying out the experiment on a physics phenomena called magnetic reconnection.
0: Yamada is the principal research physicist at the Princeton Plasma Physics Laboratory a collaborative national center for fusion and plasma research.
3: Magnetic reconnection is a phenomena in which magnetic energy is converted to the particle energy.
0: The way that happens is because in plasma, magnetic field lines can break and reconnect. You've probably visualized magnetic field lines by shaking iron filings next to a magnet. You won't see magnetic field lines break and reconnect, though, unless you're working with hot plasma. Scientists think it's through magnetic reconnection that solar flares and coronal mass ejections get their explosive power.
3: So we have been studying the physics of the reconnection mechanism by creating a similar reconnection there in the laboratory.
0: The device Yamada and his team use is called simply the Magnetic Reconnection Experiment, a hot plasma device constructed in 1995. Yes, they've been working on this problem for nearly 20 years.
3: And uh, we could not identify the energy conversion mechanism until recently. But finally, we identified key physics called the Hall Effect.
0: The Hall effects were first discovered by Edwin Herbert Hall in 1879. He wasn't working in plasma, though.
3: Hall effects are the uh, physics mechanism in which electrons and ions move differently. And usually electrons are magnetized by the magnetic field, but ions are not. In that situation, that the uh, unique Hall effect shows up.
0: Then, after figuring out that the Hall effects was how magnetic energy converts to kinetic energy in plasma, Yamada and his team started studying where the energy went after magnetic reconnection happens.
3: And recently, finally, we identified a mechanism as well as the we call energy partitioning in the reconnection layer.
0: Yamada says 50% of the magnetic energy is converted to kinetic energy, speeding up the ions and electrons in the plasma. But
3: the ion gets twice of energy over electrons by 2 to 1 ratio.
0: Confirmed by satellite measurements and numerical simulations. Yamada's not sure why it's in a 2 to 1 ratio. That's another puzzle to solve, but is focused next on multiple reconnection events happening at the same time, like it happens out in space where there is turbulence.
3: Turbulence is a very interesting phenomenon, actually. How does it uh, evolve into the multiple reconnection layer? It's a big question.
0: Yamada says it may just be that the turbulence of the plasma, generating multiple simultaneous magnetic reconnections, is what also generates Alphen waves.
3: So those can be all related.
0: Yamada, Dorfman, and Schaffner each presented their findings at the end of October at the annual meeting of the American Physical Society's Division of Plasma Physics. You can see pictures, videos, and read more about the plasma physics experiments involving magnetic reconnection, alpha waves, and turbulence at the Physics Buzz blog. Find it at physicscentral.com. Thanks to our guests, David Schaffner from Swarthmore College, Seth Dorfman of University of California, Los Angeles, and Masaaki Yamada of the Princeton Plasma Physics Laboratory. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast, brought to you by the American Physical Society. Learn how your world works. I'm Robert Frederick. Thanks for joining us.